Today's scripture comes from Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. To the church in Ephesus. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. Yet this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks, thanks be to God. I actually just came back from a speaking engagement. Um, it was a joint youth retreat. Uh, drove about five hours to um, New Hampshire. It was in the middle of nowhere. And at one point, temperature hit negative four. And I was looking at my phone. Don't go out because it says feels like negative 22. And I got sick day one. And, and, but I, by the grace of God, I was able to preach six sermons. And I'm thankful yet again for another opportunity. But as you can see, my voice is uh, not 100%. And it's going to be a, a bit more huskier. Uh, but I just pray that you um, bear with me and, and show your grace as you listen attentively to the word that will be preached. Can we take this time to just pray once more? Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we cannot thank you enough for your love, for your mercy, and for your grace, and for your faithfulness, your goodness. God, we commit this time to you, and we pray and ask that would you speak to all of our hearts at this time. And with your word, which is sharp within a double-edged sword, may penetrate deep and deep into our hearts and cause it to have gospel transformation in our lives, Lord. And Father, we also pray for your spirit to illumine our hearts and minds so that we may understand and apply uh, this life-giving word to our lives. Thank you, and in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, there are seven letters embedded in the book of Revelation, and these seven letters are written to seven churches, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And these seven churches are historical churches that actually existed in Asia Minor, which is the modern-day Turkey. And Jesus is writing these seven letters to these specific seven churches out of love to encourage them but also to rebuke them in love because he deeply cares for these churches. And this morning, we'll be taking a closer look at the church at Ephesus. And as we delve into today's passage, I would like for us to consider two things. Number one, what happened to the church in Ephesus? Number two, what can we learn from the church in Ephesus? Let's jump into the first point. What happened to the church in Ephesus? Ephesus. So I have a really bad and sensitive teeth. And I don't know why. I mean, 
all the dentists that I've had, they've been telling me it's genetics. Perhaps looking back, you know, I didn't really brush my teeth growing up. That's what my parents told me. And I ate a lot of sweets, a lot of junk food. So maybe I'm paying the price now. And I remember several years back, um, I was woken up with this really excruciating uh, toothache to the point that I couldn't go back to sleep. I took painkillers, they didn't work, so I had to call my dentist the following morning, give me something stronger. So he prescribed it to me, but it wasn't working. So I was like, give me more. And, and I would run to the, to the pharmacist, and, and the pharmacist would tell me, uh, sir, you already reached your maximum um, for prescription, so we cannot give you any more. But, I had, um, but my dentist had always told me um, through the x-ray, and he was checking my, uh, especially that tooth, It's like, Pastor James, I think you should really get that fixed because, you know, on the outside, it looks okay and somewhat healthy. And I know that you are able to chew, that you are able to bite on it. But I think one day it may eventually flare up and then it's going to cause you a lot of pain. But I've been kind of just holding off on it because of the business of ministry and life. But one day it just came back and it was so painful. So I, I was forced to go to, to see this specialist, um, and what he recommended was um, that the, the, the dental term is epicoectomy. Probably Hyun is the only one who knows what that is here because <laughs> he's a dentist. So he was able to take an, a 3D x-ray of that tooth, and he was able to pretty much convince me, like, sir, you have this huge infection, this mass this big. And he was able to show me this 3D x-ray and, and we're going to need to do this procedure. I was like, what on earth is epicoectomy? So I went home, I YouTubed it. I shouldn't have <laughs> because I hate going to dentists. And so this procedure pretty much, if, if you were to go for a um, root canal, they go from top to bottom, right? This one, they go from bottom up. So they would make a small incision in the gum, they would lift it, And then they would drill from the bottom and then clean out all the mess. So I had to do that. And it's because I did not listen to my former dentist's warning. It looked good on the outside, but it was bad. It was, real, it was, it was rotting. But that was exactly what was happening with this church at Ephesus. On the outside, it was really healthy. It looked like a vibrant ministry. And God was working powerfully in and through them. But deep inside in their hearts... I was getting really, really sick. And for this reason, Christ wrote this letter to give them a much-needed wake-up call. Verse 1, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, right? The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right and who walks among the seven golden lampstands. Jesus identifies himself as the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand. And this matches the vision, the glorious and the marvelous vision the Apostle John saw. And he describes uh, Christ in the same manner in Revelation 1.20 as the one who is holding the seven stars and, and who has um, authority over the seven golden lamps, which pretty much represent the seven churches mentioned in the book of Revelation. And he begins this letter with commendation. He actually encourages the church at Ephesus, for all the hard work, all their fruitful labor for gospel ministry. This is mentioned in verses 2, 3, and 6. Let's read it one more time. I know your works, your toil, 
and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my sake, and you have not grown weary. Verse 6, and this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also Jesus encourages them first by stating what they have been doing well and really well, fruitful labors. But in order to fully appreciate all the gospel proclaiming and kingdom expanding and culture transforming in a fruitful labor that they did for God's glory in his kingdom in the city of Ephesus, we actually need to go back and, and review um, the historical background of the city of Ephesus. Now, city of Ephesus during those days, I have a map that I want to show. It was one of the most prominent cities in Asia Minor. It was known as the light of Asia and because it had the greatest harbor in Asia Minor. Also, there are four great highways in Asia Minor and they all converged at the city of Ephesus, and for that reason, it was also known as the market to Asia. The city of Ephesus was a commercial hub where people from, all, people from other parts of the world came to do business, and this also meant that as they uh, continued to do business and, and mingled and interact with other people, um, that they were exposed to other cultural values, and which eventually led to a clash of different cultures, and as a result, the city of Ephesus became the breeding ground for paganism a cultural hub. But to make matters worse, the temple of Artemis was at at the heart of this city. It was the city's major landmark, and that's what it looked like during those heydays. It was right at the smack at the center of this city, and this city was known for worshiping Artemis. But not just Artemis, it was known for idol Worship And even to this day, the temple of Artemis is still considered as one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. This is what they were up against. And it was a very difficult place to start a church. They had everything going against them from a cultural standpoint, from a societal standpoint, and from a political standpoint. But this is where God began to do his work, to plant this church the heart of the city of Ephesus. And as we have just read, they have been doing a lot of good works. They have been doing a lot of good ministry and they were pouring themselves out for the sake of God's kingdom and his glory. And as Jesus mentioned, they weren't lazy. They weren't indifferent. They actively participated in kingdom ministry, in gospel ministry, and they fully devoted themselves to this endeavor. And guess what? God powerfully worked in and through them and that the church was flourishing. It was growing. People were coming to know the Lord. And they absolutely hated evil, heretics, false teachers. And they were able to actually I not only identify false teachers, they were able to uh, call out false teaching because this church was theologically sound. It was a very well-taught church. It was a church with discernment, which comes from the knowledge of the truth of Scripture. 
So during the second missionary journey, Apostle Paul, he came to the city of Ephesus, and this is mentioned in, in Acts chapter 18, 19 to 21. And when he came, he brought uh, this couple, this godly couple, uh, Priscilla and Aquila. And, and Paul left um, Priscilla and Aquila in, at the city of Ephesus, and they're the ones who, who literally brought the gospel to this city of Ephesus. You know, we were told in Acts chapter 19 uh, onward that people actually begged Paul to stay, but Paul told them, I cannot stay, I need to go. But if the Lord wills me to come back, I will come back. So Priscilla and Aquila, they're pretty much the founding members of the, the church in Ephesus, and they were the ones whom God used to pretty much begin this church. With them came the gospel. God eventually sent another pastor, another teacher named Apollos. He's also mentioned in Acts chapter 18. And we were told in verse 24 that a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord. But he had been only exposed to the teaching concerning the John the Baptist. So Priscilla and Aquila pretty much pulled him aside. Let us share the whole gospel with you. And he got it. And he began to faithfully and passionately and powerfully share the whole gospel. But, but he didn't stay at Ephesus for a long time. He had to go to Achaia. But after that, God brings Paul, the Apostle Paul, to Ephesus. And during the third missionary journey, he's able to come to Ephesus. And for two years, he did amazing ministry. Lives were turning upside down. And many, many people came to know the Lord. And there were a lot of exciting things happening. Acts chapter 19, verse 8, we were told that when he came to Ephesus, he immediately went to the synagogues. And for three months, he started just declaring Christ. Some people... Accepted Christ through uh, Paul's teaching, but some were annoyed, so uh, they became stubborn and they wanted to actually push him out of the city. So for that reason, Paul actually said, "You know what? I'm not going to teach us the synagogue anymore." So he decided to rent a hall, a hall, and from Tyrannius, and and at there he taught every day for two years, and so many people came to know the Lord. And it's mentioned in Acts 19:10 that he continued this for two years. And because of that, all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. As you can see, the gospel spread from Ephesus to other parts of Asia Minor and eventually to the other churches that was mentioned in Revelation 2 and 3. The church in Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. The church in Ephesus, especially Paul's ministry in Ephesus for two years, played a pivotal role in the, in the kingdom expansion, especially in this region of Asia Minor. It set the groundwork for the other six churches mentioned in the book of Revelation as the gospel began to spread from the city of Ephesus to other parts of Asia Minor. And God really worked powerfully through Paul. And this is mentioned in Acts 19. Please go home and, and read it carefully because it's so action-packed. Acts 19.11, as God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched the skin were carried away to the sick and their disease left them and the evil spirits came out of them. 
So some false exorcists, they got jealous of Paul. So they wanted to mimic what Paul was doing. But you know what happened to those false exorcists? They were known as the seven sons of Siva. The evil spirits actually called them out. Who do you think you are? We know Paul. We know the name of the Lord. But who do you think you are? So they actually overpowered them. And, and they really got messed up that day. And they had to run out naked and wounded outside. Made an example. And when people witnessed that, as Acts 19 verse 17 tells us, this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and the Greeks, and fear fell upon them all. The name of the Lord was extolled in praise. Verse 20, so the word of the Lord continued to spread and increase and prevailed mightily in the city of Ephesus. A lot of crazy, exciting, radical things were happening, and God was working powerfully through Paul and all the Christians at Ephesus. Now, because of that, people weren't happy. And it's because of the city, of, because of the church in Ephesus, and especially at this time led by Paul, they were literally um, shaking um, everything in the society. So because of that, they decided to call, create a riot especially those who were in the business of selling idols, they wanted to get rid of Paul. Do you know why? And it's because of this gospel explosion at Ephesus through through Paul's ministry, but he actually ended up disrupting and almost crippling the economy at Ephesus. People stopped buying idols. People stopped worshiping Artemis as they turned to the Lord, as they converted to Christianity. And when merchants saw this, they're like, we got to get rid of this guy. We're going to get out of business. We're not going to make any money. So they they started to put together a scheme to start a riot to get rid of him. So because of that, Paul actually ends up leaving. But after Paul, God sends another another man named Timothy. And Timothy faithfully pastored this church, and Paul actually instructed him how to do it, and this is mentioned in First and Second Timothy, right? And after Timothy came Tychicus, and Ephesians 6 tells us that he was a beloved brother of Paul and a faithful minister in the Lord, and after Tychicus came the apostle John, and he ministered faithfully in this city to this church until his dying day. So as you can see, I mean, this is an all-star lineup of pastors, Started by a godly couple, Priscilla and Aquila, right? And then came Apollos, and then came Paul, and then came Timothy, and then came Tychicus, and then came the great apostle John. I mean, they were well taught. There was doctrinal zeal and precision, and this is why they were able to point out and call out false teachers and their false teachings and heresies. Hence, verse 6, they hated the deeds of Nicolaitans. They were hardworking. They persevered. Even in this kind of difficult setting, and God was doing amazing work. His glory was being revealed, and church was being built up. And because of that, gospel was being spread to other parts of Asia Minor. What an amazing church to be part of, right? But what happened? What happened to the church in Ephesus? Let's jump to our next point with that in mind. What can we learn? Because something happened. Verse 4. So after encouraging them with these words of encouragement, Christ goes on to rebuke them for what they 
have failed to see. Verse 4, but I have it's against you that you have abandoned the love you had at first. They have abandoned their first love. And here Christ warns all of us, not just the Christians at Ephesus, the danger, the very danger of abandoning, forsaking their first love. Because there's such exciting ministry taking place, and they were working very hard, and their labor was very fruitful. But in the midst of the busyness of ministry, their love for Christ had been growing cold. And they didn't even realize that. And they had to work hard, right? I mean, it was a very difficult city to bear gospel witness. They had many things going against them. But then the more they focused on the the work of doing ministry itself, they didn't realize that their love for God had been growing colder and colder to the point that now Christ has to rebuke them. You have forgotten your first love. See, Ephesus was a church that was born in an incredible way, as I've mentioned, by the grace of God and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And even in the midst of a culture that celebrated paganism, and it was a very secular culture, and the heart of the city was Artemis, the uh, the temple of Artemis, and many people were against them, and, and, and yet they held their ground and they were persevering in faith but they forgot the most important thing in the midst of all this, their love for their Savior. And when the heart grows cold, you're in serious danger. Look at verse 5, and this is Christ's warning, and this is what Christ challenges them to do. After pointing out the fact that they have abandoned their first love, verse 5, remember therefore from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. This is what Jesus is telling them. I know that there's a lot of exciting things happening in Ephesus right now and, and I have worked powerfully and mightily in and through you, but you have forgotten during this entire process even though you are what it seems to be a healthy church from the outside, but you have forgotten your first love. And if you don't restore that, and if you don't come back to that, as exciting and awesome this may look like to you and everyone else, even from the other cities of Asia Minor, I'm going to shut this down. I'm going to shut it down. Now, I want to ask you some questions Is the gospel still precious to you? Does the gospel stir deep affections in your heart? Are you still moved by the beauty of the gospel? Have you lost the wonder of the gospel? Have you reduced worship to a weekly routine, something that you only do on Sunday for a couple hours? I mean, God is at work at NCF, and I know that. And we are about to embark on something so exciting. And we're going to get caught up in the busyness of ministry. 
and more is going to be required from every single one of you. But if we're not careful, we may go through exactly what happened at Ephesus. In the midst of all the exciting things, and as we even experience God powerfully working in and through us, we may end up just like them, losing our first love. And brothers and sisters, that should not be. That should not be. Pastor Owen Lee, he was our speaker for our last retreat. And during the, one of the seminars that he did, I mean, I wasn't there, but I listened to a file, an uh, audio file. This is what he said, which stuck to me even to this day. It's something that I will never, ever forget. And this is what he said during that seminar. It's possible for you to work very hard for Jesus while wa- walking very far from Jesus. That's exactly what happened at Ephesus. Vibrant ministry. Many people were coming to know the Lord, but they got so caught up with the works of doing ministry itself that they've forgotten why they were even doing this in the first place. And love went out the door. So Christ, out of his love for them, calls them out. Yes, you are doing good works, but you have abandoned and forsaken your first love. You know, next week we are launching our Sunday service at the new location in St. John's, and it's been a long year, I think, for all of us. And more is going to be required from every single one of us. It's going to be all hands-on tech. And it's going to be exciting because we are beginning a new chapter of NCF history. And then the more and more I think about how God has led us the entire year, I'm just so excited about all the great things that God has in store for us, not just in 2018, but beyond, and how God's going to use our church to impact that campus and Queens and the city and beyond. I think it's going to be so exciting. But if we're not careful, our hearts may end up growing cold to the point that we abandon our first love as we work very hard for Jesus. If we're not careful, we might find our hearts being very far from him. Now the question is this then, how do we keep the fire burning in our hearts so that we don't ever receive such rebuke from our Lord and Savior? You have abandoned your first love. Verse 4 again. I mean, verse 5, I'm sorry. Remember, remember, therefore, and repent. wanted to show you um, my wedding photo. And we got married on, on I still look, like, hopefully the same. Shine <laughs> looks the same. Um, we got married on June 18, 2011. And... That's after, I mean, that's on that day. I mean, that picture, I, I look at it all the time because those were the steps that we first took together as husband and wife. And since then, we went through a lot of ups and downs. And I've shared our story um, during my first sermon here how our, our marriage, our life has been filled with seasons, long seasons of painful suffering and brokenness. But God has brought us this far. A lot has happened, but He has remained faithful. 
But this is a picture that I uh, often look at, especially when things get difficult, so that I remember. As I look back and reflect, I remember how God has led us through that so that I celebrate His goodness and faithfulness. And this is a picture that I, I come back to often so that we, I will also be reminded of uh, the, the vows that I made to her and, and the vows that we have made to each other to love each other faithfully and to remain faithful to one another until the end so that I can constantly remind myself. But as I look back, I celebrate what God has been doing in our own lives. And looking back, I cannot help but to thank God and celebrate His amazing grace in our lives. I think this is something that we're going to have to continue to do as we move forward together, especially in this transition of becoming an independent church. We're going to do a lot of exciting ministry, and we're going to get tired, exhausted, but we're going to see God's strength being manifested even through our weaknesses. But in the midst of all this, we need to remember. We need to look back, remember, and celebrate God's goodness, His faithfulness, and do this over and over again so that we don't ever forsake or abandon our first love. And I do believe that this is a much-needed wake-up call for all of us, including me. As we transition next week to a new location, it is a new location, but still the same God. And that's not going to change. Still the same calling. But as we embark on this exciting journey of faith, and as we open a new chapter of NCF history next week at St. John's campus, I hope that you're as excited as I am. Also with D-Board and Pastor John. And as we do a lot of exciting ministry on this campus and beyond, let's remain faithful to the call that God has given us. But in the midst of all this, let's not lose sight of God who has been with us so that we don't abandon or forsake our first love. So let's always remember how God has brought us up until this point and as we move forward, Let's continue to remember and celebrate. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for your faithfulness, the faithfulness that you have shown to us and to this ministry. And God, as we get ready for this upcoming transition to a new campus, Lord, Father, we pray to ask that would you be with all of us and help us continue to depend on you every step of the way. But most importantly, may we not lose sight of you so that we will never, ever abandon or forsake our first love, which is you. Thank you for speaking to us through this message. God, we love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.